would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of Amon World. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It is great to have you. I forgot to throw up my uh, little uh, wall here to help contain the sound in this airy space. For the sake of the show, I'm going to do that right now. So you guys enjoy this splash screen while I do that. You're going to have to tell me if that sounded any different. I would like, with that, if I may, or to take you on the entire intro again. <laughs> anyway, all right, so I put up this. It's like a dressing room shade, you know what I mean? And it's really just to help contain the sound. Anyway, happy Satan Sunday. <laughs> happy Sunday, Satan. Happy, I don't know, I'll figure something out. It's great to see you. <laughs> What's going on, Kivit? I don't think I've seen your name before, have I? Thanks for joining live. Appreciate you. Valeria, how you doing? Always great to see you. What's up, Scott? ABC. I'm fighting not to finish the Jackson 5 song after saying your name. Enoki Labs, how you doing? Zachary, always great to see you. Even if you're at work, you're working on the Lord's Day. <laughs> what is Jesus going to think of you? <laughs> um, let's see. Jameson, how you doing? Thanks for joining live, man. Um, Daniel, good to see you. Jason, what up? And anyone else? William, always great to see you, man. All right, uh, it's going to be a good show today. In The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to do part two of the Improving Your Total Environment. Last week was with plants. This week is with animals. What's next we going to bring? <laughs> I actually don't know yet. I just wanted to throw it out there as if I had some plan. In The Infernal Informant, Mystery of Exotic Infectious Disease. Traced to aromatherapy room spray. Yeah, we're going to get into that. And I'm going to close it out with something that blew my mind. In the creature feature, we're going to be talking about chapel weight. Wow. Just wow. Before I get into that, though, got a couple notes here. Um, so for those of you who have watched this podcast for a while, you know that I run a bunch of different projects. I have a bunch of different YouTube channels and you know, I'm just busy with my professional life, my family life, and all this stuff. Yesterday, I finally got together with my Kickin' Rocks podcast co-host, and we finally got to go do our October hike. This was actually in uh, Ghost Falls, which is a bit disappointing once you see the falls, and maybe that explains why it's Ghost Falls. But because it was October, we got lots of brilliant colors, um, you know, with the, the leaves changing and stuff. It's interesting. The video's out there if you're into hiking or outdoor life or anything like that, or maybe just want to see the other type of stuff that I do, go check out Kicking Rocks podcast. I enjoyed that episode a lot. I just enjoy hanging out with Joe a lot. But anyway, it's good and it's out there. These bookshelves, I never considered bookshelves being a pain in the ass, right? You just 
threw them up. Sometimes you anchored them onto the wall and then you put your books on them and maybe you arrange your books a little bit or whatever, but that's kind of it. This sucked. So I had ordered bookshelves from um, some third party. They said they had them. They're going to ship them out. Two days later, I got a note saying, well, since COVID, all of our um, factory warehouses are closed, so we can't actually ship them to you. You're going to have to cancel your order. And the whole time I was thinking, well, why aren't you canceling the order? Because you cannot fulfill it. Like I've had other people cancel their orders. Why is it being the onus put on me? Which is weird. I guess it's just a way for them to make money if the customer doesn't act. And so I canceled it and I just, you know, F them. I'm never going to work with them again. And I'm just using actual shelving that I bought when I was in Germany uh, in the military. 20 years ago, threw up the tracks on the wall, put in the little pegs. And, and now I have, I don't know if you can see, I've got my um, artificial human companion, a little demon fetus, aborted fetus. I got my custom-made uh, bloody Ouija board that I, I made and forced everyone who uses it to bleed on. And a little planchette right there that you cannot see. But, you know, a little uh, ritual accoutrement, <laughs> if you will. Trying to set it up so it's an interesting-looking backdrop that you can barely see when I'm doing these videos <laughs> took way too much time. So I had to, like, buy bookends and try to balance books and hoping the shelves didn't fall and break and hoping that they're going to sustain the weight, the, the magnitude of, of pounds that I'm actually putting on here with all of these books. But they're they're stacked from edge to edge with books. And what are you going to do? I love books. Books are awesome, but they're heavy. You know, you have to make sure that the shelving you buy, like my other bookshelves, like they bow because of all the weight. So I'm just waiting for mid episode on one of these bad boys. And it's just going to crumble. It's going to be like a domino effect. So I don't know. Whoever... <laughs> Whoever shouts out Yahtzee when that happens first gets a prize, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. All right. All right. What do we got here? You guys are throwing out some weird stuff. What's up, Defeated Program? How you doing, Brandon? Good to see you. I'm down to get tattooed by you. I don't know where you live. Tell me the state, man, and give me your shop name, and we'll see what we can do. I think that'd be awesome. Jordan, how you doing? Wes, my man. We haven't done the Ouija board. We haven't bled. We must bleed together, my brother. <laughs> Did you guys ever do that when you were kids? Do the blood, blood brother thing where you like cut your hand, they cut theirs, and you like held them together? I don't know what it was about the 80s and maybe the late 70s, but that was kind of a thing for us growing up. Like all of us did it. You shared your blood with people. And then <laughs> when I got older, we went through the whole like occult vampire gothic thing and so we would like drink blood and stuff like that from each other. Did that for a while. So there's a lot of different people's bloods like floating. <laughs> I don't know if like the blood cells assimilate or if there's like fractions of different people struggling in your veins when <laughs> you do that. I don't recommend anyone ever do anything like that because it's very dangerous and it is irresponsible and you can actually contract diseases and you can die from doing it. That's to say I did and... <laughs> How ridiculous, right? Anyway, I don't know what got me off on that tangent. Um, there will be a Halloween episode next week. My son has moved out of the house. My daughter is spending the night at her friend's house, and they're going to go trick-or-treating. So it's just my wife and I, which is not bad. I mean, it's going to be awesome. We get to spend some personal time together. But it also means that 
what am I going to do? <laughs> so I'll dress up and I'll, I'll figure something out to make it a little bit interesting for those of you who want to tune in. And I'll try to do it before nightfall so that it doesn't affect any of your Halloween plans if you do have evening Halloween plans. But just expect if you, if you are just happening to be next to your device or your computer or your TV, I will have a show for you. I'll figure something out. Maybe we'll do like tarot or maybe we'll do Ouija board or um, I don't know. We'll do something. It'll be fun and, and hokey and, and goofy. Anyway, uh, the reason why this episode is so early is because I have some friends coming over and we're going to be doing a, a Satanist on Satanic, Satanist on Cinema commentary on Army of Darkness. And I'll release that tomorrow if I can get through editing it tomorrow morning or tonight. Whichever, whichever uh, uh, you know, whenever I have the time. Anyway, um, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I can't believe we haven't done Army of Darkness yet on Satanist on Cinema. And so, why not? You know? It's a scary... <laughs> it's not scary at all, actually. But it is funny, and it is Bruce Campbell, and it is Ash Williams, and it is the sequel to Evil Dead 2. So, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to have a fun time. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to have it out tomorrow. Okay. Um, Brad, how you doing, man? Ah, we got to hang out soon. It's been way too long. Way too long. ABC is spamming all sorts of nonsense. I don't know. What are you doing? Is that, are you communicating somehow? Is this like close encounters of the third kind, but except no audio is just like emoji? Is that it? All right. Whatever. <laughs> Let's do a little devil's advocate. Have a little fun. Okay, improve your total environments, animal edition. So again, last week we did plants, today we're gonna do a little bit of animals and I've got two different articles that provide a lot of uh, really interesting insight to the benefits um, and things that you should consider when choosing animals for your total environment. Now, for those of you who don't know, your total environment is going to be your domain, your lair, your home, your apartment, your room, whatever you might have that you call your own. Uh, as Satanists, we find it valuable to customize and uh, stylize them to our personal aesthetics. And that includes everything therein. So whether it's something as mundane as the style of glasses that you buy to drink out of, um, furniture, paint on your walls, how you display your ritual uh, artifacts, you know, whatever it is, all of that goes into consideration, but also plants and animals, right? So let's talk about animals. Some of this comes from animalfriends.co and the other one comes from uh, cdc.gov, which is an interesting, is that right? Yeah, that is right, which is interesting. Okay, so 10 benefits of owning pets with almost no effort at all. Pets manage to bring so much joy into our lives. They make us laugh, comfort us when we're sick or upset and are always there for us no matter what. And one thing that, you know, isn't mentioned a lot when, when referring to animals, except in almost derogatory ways, are the 
the emotional impact that animals can have on you. So if you suffer from depression or anxiety, animals actually help manage that uh, in, in a whole bevy of different ways. It can be taken to comical extremes, but the facts and the science bears it out. So we always have to keep that in mind, though I don't go heavily into that. Maybe that'll be a second episode or a follow-up at some later date. Um, not everyone understands the bond between human and beast, though, nor even realizes how much pets do for their owners. So let's take a look at uh, 10 different things that they do. Um, and also keep in mind that there is a, a historical tradition for witches and warlocks to own familiars, right? This is something that it goes back as long as human beings have been hunting. You know, we domesticated wild animals in order to help us hunt. We uh, celebrated cats in ancient Egypt as gods. Um, depending, you know, regionally, it might be cows that are worshipped. Um, we just, we connect as human beings with the natural world and those that inhabit it, our fellow animals, because yes, we are in fact animals. And having that connection in a domestic sense brings an incredible amount of joy equal amount of frustration in some cases. Um, but it, you have to go into it expecting to work. There's nothing worse, before I get into these, these benefits, I, I want to talk about this really quick. There's nothing worse than finding someone who's like, yeah, I own a dog. And you end up maybe going to their house or you see a picture or something and they have like a kennel out back and the dog is just sitting in the kennel all day, every day. And that's the dog's life. There's little to no human interaction. It's just trapped in chain link fence. That is so insulting, not just to the animal, but also it showcases how foolish that human being is to think that that is somehow having a companion or that is somehow how you're supposed to treat animals. If you're not willing to open your home, this is my opinion, to animals, don't get the animal. It's that simple. And there must be a differentiation made between domesticated animals and wild animals. Don't get a raccoon and expect the raccoon to act like a house dog. It's not going to happen. A raccoon is a raccoon. Funny side story. I actually, I have cameras around my home uh, that are motion activated. I got a, a raccoon, a raccoon in suburbia, like going across my front yard. And then the other day, like two or three days ago, um, we let the dogs out and they chase the raccoon up our neighbor's tree. My wife goes out there and gets a picture of it. It's a freaking raccoon in the middle of suburbia. Now, on my morning runs, I run through industrial areas because they're less populated than uh, suburban areas. And I see foxes. I see rabbits. You know, you used to get mice. You get wild chickens that are just roaming around. Like, you see a lot of weird animals out there. I've never seen a raccoon. Like, if I was closer to the mountain, I would, ex you know, expect to see something like that. Or, and deer, too, because I grew up with that. But a raccoon? I don't know. Something about it is a little weird. A little fishy. I think someone's, uh, someone's trying to have a pet and think it's cute and it's coming after my chickens or something. So we're like locking our chickens doors, which we never used to do. Weird. Anyway, um, yeah, so consider the type of animal you're getting. Don't, don't be stupid. <laughs> and if you're going to buy an animal or you're going to rescue an animal or you're just, just going to own an animal, take care of it. Putting it in a doghouse outside is not taking care of it. That's 
doing the literal bare minimum of allowing it to exist. But domesticated animals are meant to interact with humans. They're not meant to be isolated from them. And there's a huge difference. There's also a huge uh, impact on the proximity of the animal and how it influences your life and the de decisions you end up making in life. Because if it's in your home, you're more inclined to take it out and you know run it or, you know, out in the park or go to dog parks or you know just play with the dog. If it's in the kennel in the backyard, you don't think about it. You know, maybe it barks too much and you go yell at it because you're an asshole, but that's it. And that's just not the way you're supposed to take care of animals. Okay, now that my rant is over. 10 benefits of owning dogs, or not dogs, but just pets in general. Um, one, they keep you fit. So all breeds of dogs need regular daily walks in order to stay happy and healthy. And so do we. However, we sometimes have a tendency to get lazy if that sounds like you, a dog may be a perfect cure. They'll be dragging you the out the front door and making you run around the park each and every day. Yes, a dog is possibly the best personal trainer you could ask for. Again, depends on the breed and depends on your willingness to actually engage with the animal or not. But that is a solid benefit. Like, if, if you're just a sedimentary person and you're just sitting around watching, you know, just streaming movies and you know, flicking through social media posts, you, you are no better than the animal back in the chain link fence at the back of the yard. We're supposed to be the best versions of ourselves or striving to be the best versions of ourselves. All right, ABC, you're going a little too crazy here. I'm going to have to uh, put you in time out here for a second. Um, we need to uh, genuinely consider the the fact that we have to take care of ourselves and if you have uh another animal out there that's that's with you then you know they need to go out so you might be more inclined to go out with them of course if you're still not going to go out don't buy the dog there's nothing worse than seeing people buy animals that require a lot of exercise and activity you know with the best of intentions of getting out there and doing something as an individual but never actually doing it you're torturing the animal by not getting out there. It's something that I struggle with with my wolf-husky hybrid who loves to be outside and run. So, you know, my wife takes him on daily walks in the park and the school, and we have a pretty sizable backyard that uh, she goes out and just goes crazy in and stuff. But, um, you know, we take her hiking and stuff. But I still don't think I do enough. And that's more than a lot of people I know with breeds that are a very similar kind. So make sure if you buy an animal, you're educated about the amount of exercise it needs and you're willing to do that on a regular basis, regardless of the weather. This is another personal pet peeve of mine. I hate people who won't go outside because it's raining. You're not the wicked witch of the West. You will not melt. It's okay to get wet. Hopefully you do it pretty regularly in the shower or the tub. So go outside. I don't care if it's actively snowing or raining or what, but your animal doesn't care and you certainly shouldn't care either. Okay, I'm going off on way too many tangents. Two, <laughs> run number two. 20 minutes in, run number two. Um, they make sure that you're never actually lonely. Again, this can fall back to that depression state or the isolation state. Some people just psychologically can't bring themselves to engage with other human beings on a regular basis 
That's just your individual chemical makeup or something. And that's okay. But um, make sure that understand that you can get animals and they will help you with that. But also get the breeds that are going to be more inclined to just lap dogs or cats that are, are affectionate and, you know, stuff like that. You can go to animal shelters and you can just spend time with the animals there to see how they interact with you. Um, I don't know. I, I would personally shy away from breeders unless you really, really, really want one specific breed that you will take care of per the requirements of the breed. Other than that, try to go to a shelter or something like that um, because there's just way too many animals abandoned on a regular basis. And there's no need to spend exorbitant amounts of money on an animal that you're just going to chain link up in the back of your yard as if it was some sort of trophy that you put on a shelf. Like, yes, I have an animal. Look at it. Assholes. All right, three. Oh, so we're still on two. They make sure that you're never lonely. If you live by yourself or your partner works different shift patterns than you do, it can get awful lonely at home unless you have a pet, of course. Cats and dogs make great companions. They'll always be waiting for you when you come home, and they'll be happy to lend an ear should you want to moan about the awful day that you had. Plus, most of the time, they're up for a snuggle on the sofa. Or sometimes they want to kick you off the sofa because they want to stretch out. But that's the joy of these animals is that something that I don't, if you're not an animal owner or you didn't grow up with animals, you may not know a cat is not just a cat with a cat's personality in the same way that a dog is not a dog with a dog's personality or a human male is not a human male with a human male's personality. They all have their own individual chemical makeups, uh, societal, social hangups. They have their own behaviors. They have their own personalities. Every single human animal is different and every single species, individual in the species is different. Every dog is different. Every lab is different than the other lab. Um, so you have to understand that your particular animal may have quirks that are really enjoyable, mildly annoying, or just erratic and Hopefully that's okay because who wants just like a generic basic animal? You want something that has a little bit of personality, right? Um, but, you know, they can end up, uh, you know, playing off of your personality, developing personality traits because of how you act and how you treat them, uh, which can be a good or a bad thing. But we always have to remember some, some animals, some humans are just assholes. That's just how they are. Some dogs are just assholes. That's just how it is. Some animals are just pieces of shit, but some are amazing too. So, and then there's, you know, a, a myriad of different, you know, in-betweens on that scale. My point is, is that there's just not one type, regardless of breed or species. You have to genuinely get to know these creatures because they can be really interesting, really funny, and really quirky. There's a whole comedy video show tv series put out you know america's funniest videos like 90 percent of that's animal videos because animals are freaking weird which explains why we're freaking weird because drum roll we are animals all right they're pretty awesome too <laughs> just that being said um they can help uh, they lower your stress levels modern life is stressful and high levels of anxiety can lead to numerous health problems luckily pets can actually help us relax 
Stroking your cat or simply watching fish swim around in a tank can make your worries melt away. Previous studies have proven that pet owners tend to have lower blood pressure, cholesterol, and triglyceride levels than people who don't own pets. That means having a free pet can decrease the chances of suffering a heart attack later in life. That's pretty huge. You couple that with the um, filtering of your air benefits of plants, I mean, you, you're going to have a rich baseline of which to live um, by in, in, you know, including both in your total environment. They can actually help you make friends too. The pet owner community is an incredibly friendly one, also very quirky one. There's a reason why there's that weird cat lady um, uh, concept out there, you know. They're there. They exist. <laughs> they're, they're a thing. But there's also weird dog owners, too. Um, you often find that people will stop to talk to you about your dog in the park. Having a pet is a great way to meet new people and create bonds quickly, especially if you're not too good at small talk. You never know. Owning a dog may help you meet the love of your life. Don't buy a dog if you're looking to find love. Bad reason to do it. But it can mean that you can meet other people. Now, it may be your next villain <laughs> in your life, or it may be a good friend that you develop over time. But the point is, is that you will definitely have moments of socialization, and not just from other dog owners, but anyone. I mean, there's two things in life that people will three things that people will come up to you and just talk to you just because. If you're a pregnant woman, most people will want to touch your belly. Don't know why. I do it too. Um, if you have a baby, people will want to come up and look at the baby. And if you have a cute animal or even like a really weird looking animal, people will want to talk to you about it. It's just a thing. Um, five, no, they can actually improve your immune system. The uh, Pets spend a lot of time outside and therefore bring all sorts of dirt and germs into your home. This isn't necessarily a bad thing though. The additional germs can help improve your immunity to colds and other mild illnesses. In fact, previous studies have shown that babies who live with dogs tend to experience fewer infections and are generally healthier than those who do not. That's important. Another little, really quick note about babies since I had mentioned it earlier and I just mentioned it here. Um, I, I personally know a lot of women who have children, but they don't want to destroy their vaginas. And so they get C-sections cosmetically, you know, for cosmetic reasons. There's actually real benefits to having traditional childbirth for your children. The bacteria in the vaginal canal actually builds up immunity in children. So if you just have a C-section, you're denying your child some natural immunities that they would develop simply by going through the traditional way. It's, it's honestly something to consider. And let's keep in mind that the vagina is an incredibly strong muscle that is able to bounce back from like literally anything you throw at the damn thing. It's a strong ass organ. It will be fine. Just like all humans throughout all of time, have a baby to traditional way if it doesn't impact your health. Not because of cosmetic reasons, you selfish mother. Coming from a guy who can't have babies. And so it's really easy for me to say. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, not, no more about babies here. They can, uh, they can actually catch cancer early. 
It's no secret the dog's sense of smell is incredible. Did you know that some canines are capable of detecting cancer? Several pet owners have reported that their dogs saved their lives after they noticed that they were constantly pawing at, sniffing, or even licking a tumor hidden under the skin of their owners. That's like a thing. It blew me away when I first heard about it years ago, but it's a thing. And it's a really cool thing. All right, we're at number eight. They can actually teach kids and humans responsibility. Every parent has heard the question, can I have a pony puppy hamster at some point in their child's life? It's no secret that kids love animals, and if they're old enough, having one as a pet can actually teach them a lot of important skills. Not only when they learn the practical skills required to own a pet, such as cleaning out the cage, grooming, and teaching tricks, they'll also develop their nurturing and empathy skills, which are vital in real life. This is huge. And I wouldn't have the beginning and end be on taking care of the pet, but assigning tasks like weekly tasks to children, jobs, whether it's taking out the trash, sweeping, doing the dishes, making sure their room is clean, having jobs for children at the children's skill levels on a regular basis is really, really important. You're going to end up with total assholes on your hand who are just expect the world to hand them everything. If you do not make your children work, that's just the reality. I'm not talking about sending them to sweatshops, but they have to have jobs around the home that they are required to do before they can go play with their friends or spend time on any digital device. Taking care of the pets is one, but making sure that they contribute to the household is another. It will benefit them in life so much in the long run. And by proxy, it benefits all of the rest of us who have to then deal with this child that you reared. So do everyone a favor, including your kid, and give them a damn job. Animals make you feel safe. Sorry, I'm not looking at all these comments. You guys are going crazy. That's awesome. Um, not everyone likes being home alone, but having a cat or a dog can actually make you feel a lot safer. Plus... Burglars are less likely to target a house that's clearly a home to a dog. Some breeds makes, make excellent guard dogs and will even protect you when you're out on a run or walk. Now, I would not expect that just because you have a specific type of breed, that the dog will then act as if it's the perfect guard, bodyguard for you. Again, not every individual animal is what everyone expects the breed to be. Sometimes they're cowards. <laughs> That's just the reality of life. Some humans are brave. Some humans are cowards. It's just how, we, how it rolls. Keep in mind, breed does not dictate behavior in every case. There is always exceptions. Knowing the animal individually is incredibly important before you like throw them in front of an attacking animal. That's a bad decision. I would rather me attack the attacking dog than my dog. Simply because I know, in most cases, I can handle the dog. <laughs> you know, I know how to... I've, I've been wrestling and fighting dogs my entire life. Not fighting them as, like, to the death or anything. But, you know, you get scars playing with dogs because they have to learn, you know, what's appropriate and when to sort of pull a, a claw or a bite. And uh, that learning period can leave you with some scars. But it's part of the joy, in my opinion, of having dogs. Especially big dogs that you can really wrestle and throw around. They love it. I love it. It's great. It also gives you confidence. Here's the other thing. Oh, man. See, I'm going off on all sorts of stuff here. For um, 
for people who are afraid of animals, traditionally it's because they had a bad experience. Like they were scared by one or they saw something that traumatized them or they, um, you know, they, they just had a horrible, horrible moment that just made it so they're terrified of dogs. If that person, again, this is not scientific. This is my personal opinion and experience. If that person had an animal as a child and were exposed to that animal as a child, they would not be as terrified of other animals, even if they had a bad incident with an animal because exposure breeds familiarity. This is extrapolated to literally everything. And it's a really important one, and I'm gonna throw a fuck, I'm gonna throw a wrench in this conversation really quick with guns, firearms. People are terrified of firearms, but there's no reason to be. You learn to handle properly a firearm, you take it to the range or you go into the desert, you throw a couple rounds down range with it, you get to understand how to take it apart, put it back together, you know the firearm. You don't have to touch it or use it every day. You may never touch or use it again. It may not even be yours, but the fact is you won't be afraid of it because you understand it. If we could get everyone that's afraid of firearms to actually just take a course on knowing basic information about them, we'd solve a lot of problems. And those assholes who are obsessed with firearms that just want to collect and own a billion different kinds, not because they need them, but just because they can, and then they end up you know, getting disgruntled and going and killing people, if they understood how to use them, that adds a layer of responsibility into owning the firearm that might not be there otherwise. It's a net positive on all of humans. Understand it. Same with animals. Understand how to expose yourself to different types of animals, how appropriate behavior. It never surprises me when you see pictures of um, idiots going into Yellowstone feeding bears and getting mauled. Yeah, of course, that's a wild ass animal. It's not your dog. Don't try to give it a dog treat or your ham sandwich, you freak. Understanding appropriate levels of engagement, depending on the type of animal you're interacting with or you're exposed to is important. But being afraid of dogs, all dogs, simply because you had one traumatic experience and expecting everyone else to cater to your trauma is ridiculous. Just putting it out there. All right. All right. I love German Shepherds. They're great. Any big dog breed. I just, I love them so much. Burmese mountain dogs are like my, ugh, that's what I grew up with. I love them more than anything. You can just sink your hands into their fur. Their big old faces licking your face. Oh, it's the best. It's just the best. All right. Um, the last bullet point here I wanted to talk about are uh, they can provide companionship to children with learning difficulties. Children with autism and similar learning disorders often find it difficult taking, uh, talking to follow, fellow human beings, but they have no problem at all chatting away with friend, friendly animals. After all, your pets can't answer back and will always keep your secrets. Uh, looking after a pet is a big responsibility, but if you consider all the benefits above, they make all the work worthwhile. Whether you choose to keep a cat, dog, horse, hamster, they'll make great companions for you. And they genuinely do. Now, I want to bring up some notes that I haven't yet, or maybe I've touched on some, but you need to think about if you're going to get an animal for the first time. So this is from the CDC, how to stay healthy around pets. And one note that I want to bring out from the entire article is picking the right pet. Before adopting a new pet, make sure that it's right for one, you, and for your family. 
Do some research beforehand about specific needs of the animal. Ask yourself these questions before getting a pet. How long will this animal live? Every living thing dies. It is painful and it sucks when you developed a relationship with a human or an animal and they die. But we all know what's going to happen. We all know it's in the mail and the chaos of life never allows you to know exactly in most cases when it's going to happen. So you have to emotionally be prepared to know this breed typically only lasts eight years. Where am I going to be in eight years? Where's my child going to be in eight years? How are we going to be able to mostly handle this? When my parents had to put down my dog that I grew, oh, fuck. Wow. I'm sorry, guys. I just got, wow, I just got hit like with emotions. <laughs> oh, man. That, I did not expect that to happen. Um, clearly, I'm still messed up. <laughs> wow, I did not expect that. Holy shit. Um, so understand that no matter what, all of your pets are going to die and that you need to be prepared for that. You know, you, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have a plan for how they're going to die because you just don't know. But you'll need to understand the underlying health issues that are typical to spe uh, specific breeds and how to, to deal with those. And sometimes that means setting up an, a little animal savings account, so, you know, to, to face medical issues that probably are going to happen. You know, hip, um, uh, any joint trauma is pretty typical for a lot of breeds. So you need to keep that um, as a possibility. Uh, pet insurance is a thing. And in some breeds, it's a very important thing. How much does a pet eat? What is it going to cost you to feed this pet regularly? And you have to understand that animals are not humans. They require specific types of diets. And that can, again, depend on the size of the animal, the breed of the animal, any other health conditions that the animal may have. Um, always keep that in mind. How I talked about this earlier. How much exercise does the pet need? You have to consider it. If you are incapable of providing it, don't get that animal. Um, how large will it become? Everyone loves a puppy. Everyone adores adorable, cute, little puppy breath, face-licking puppies. Those puppies grow up, and some of them really grow up. I'm not talking Clifford the Big Red Dog big, but some of them get big. You need to know the type of animal that you are getting and how big it will end up being, because it may not be a reality for you no matter how adorable it might be. Um, how much will veterinary care cost? We touched on that a little bit before, but it's important. You need to consider it. Do I have enough time to properly care for and clean up after the pet? Holy shit, this is important. This, again, don't just stick them in a fenced-in square in the backyard and think that's enough. In the same way that we dispose of our waste in the toilet and flush it away so we don't have to live with it, we need to do the same thing for our pets. So whether it's a hamster and you got to regularly clean out their cage or whether it's an animal and you have to go in your backyard and pick up all the poop, you have to take care of the animal's waste because you're feeding them. They're going to produce waste. You have to take care of that because it can be dangerous. Um, what type of ha uh, habitat does the pet need to be healthy? So if you're just obsessed with lizards or snakes, but you don't want to buy a bunch of extra lamps to maintain a stable temperature, maybe you shouldn't get those animals. 
Like the, the truth is, is that different types of animals require different types of living facilities and you have to be prepared to uh, pay for that. What type of exercise does the pet need? We touched on that before. Are pets allowed in your house, apartment, or condominium? If you don't own your own home and you're renting or leasing, you need to, or you're in an eight, uh, a homeowners association of some sort, you need to consider what's allowed because you can actually be evicted from your home or from your apartment or something if you buy an animal that's not allowed. And that's horrible, not just for the animal, but for you because you're now homeless. So consider it. Are there young children, older people, or people with weak immune systems who will care for or be around the pet? This is the other thing. If you expose uh, children at infancy to animals, it can actually help them um, you know, develop their immune system. But if you're already immunocompromised, maybe it's just not a good thing to have an animal that can bring in a whole bunch of viruses or bacteria into your home. It's something you should consider it could save your life by not getting it. So that's what I wanted to talk about. I really appreciate you guys' uh, taking time and you know, listen to all my um, ranting and raving about this stuff, trying to look through some of the comments that you guys are throwing out here. Um, oh, is dog in the house? Yeah, what's up? Anthropologists wonder if we'd even be the species we are if we hadn't hooked up with dogs back in the cave days. I think that's an interesting point to uh, consider. Christopher, how you doing? Thanks for joining live, man. Sapphire, what's up? Thanks for joining live. There, there are so many um, positive aspects of having animals in close proximity to human beings. There are pretty bad ones too. <laughs> like simply due to the proximity and, and the way that we have historically taken care of animals, that's why European humans suffered so many diseases jumping from animals to humans because of the proximity and engagement that we had with them um, and poor hygienic standards. And that's why when European uh, citizens came over to the Americas, they brought with them mass amounts of disease and viruses that these Americans never, the natives never were exposed to before. So they had no immunity for, and it decimated a large amount of the population. So we have to always consider that it's not always a great thing to live around livestock, for example, like living next to them, which is why, you, you know, usually farms have uh, separated spaces and, and different um, clean, cleanliness standards for those different areas, depending on the animals and stuff like that. But um, it, taking that into consideration, it is a net positive on an individual home level to have an animal or two. But here's another thing that you have to consider because you may not live in HSA, you may not live in an apartment or uh, a condo or something that has requirements. Cities have ordinances, whether individuals listen to them or not is another thing. But most cities will say one home cannot have more than X amount of animals in it, X amount of livestock in it. I know our city does. And so it's something to consider. You probably won't have a problem if you end up getting one more cat than you're allowed to have or one more chicken than you're allowed to have. But you could actually be cited and have to pay fines and have to get rid of that animal. Hopefully that doesn't mean killing them because you can't have them. So something to keep in mind, something to consider going forward. Okay, that's all I had for this Devil's Advocate. Let's dive into a little bit of Infernal Informant. 
Man, I spent 40 minutes on that. Holy shit. <laughs> no, Jason. I definitely did not help. switch out the image and we will get into this I'm of a couple different opinions about this to be honest but um mystery of exotic infectious diseases traced to aromatherapy room spray this is from wral.com it was a mystery by any definition of the word a rare tropical infection that had sickened people in the decidedly non-tropical states of Minnesota and Kansas as well as Texas the first patient to get sick in Kansas in March died they were uh, all infected with a bacteria known as Burkholderia pseudomalei, and the disease it causes is called melioidosis, melioidosis, marked by nonspecific symptoms such as cough and shortness of breath, weakness, fatigue, and nausea. It's most commonly seen in Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and northern Australia, and is found in soil and contaminated water. It's not expected in middle America, and certainly not in a lavender-scented aromatherapy spray, uh, aromatherapy spray with gemstones. <laughs> um, all right. I know people who are into this are going to defend this to their last breath. But if you're buying lavender-scented aromatherapy sprays with gemstone power, I think you might have some problems in your life. Like that should be your first clue that you fell off the track at some point. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Usually when Americans are diagnosed with melioidosis, it's associated with travel. But these cases propped up in the middle of a pandemic when with international travel was virtually non-existent and none of the affected families had traveled. The U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention issued a health alert last June with the three cases in Kansas, Minnesota, and Texas were linked. By the time they found the source this month, it had made four people sick and killed two of them. The trail had gone cold in Kansas, said CDC epide um, epidemiologist Dr. Jennifer McQuiston, who helped lead the investigation. The CDC worked with the state health departments to try to figure out how the people had become infected with such an unusual bug. Quote, it really was a fishing expedition because we didn't have any clues to guide us in any direction, McQuiston told CNN. The teams really looked at personal care products, lotions, soaps, food items, vitamins, things they might have been exposed to, McQuiston said. Cleaning products, all of those sorts of things. The thing about Burkholderia pseudomalae is it really needs a moist or wet environment in order to survive. It can survive in some types of moisture that you would normally think of a bacteria surviving in, so even hand sanitizers. Then in July, a patient died of melioidosis in Georgia. Genetic testing linked it to the other three cases. The CDC teams doubled down on their searches, going through all the products they could find that might possibly be a source of the bacteria. Even so, there was no smoking gun. They had tested several hundred specimens, and it looked like they were coming to a dead end, McQuiston said. 
In the last-ditch effort, they went back to the home on the last patient for another look earlier this month. And in that particular second search, they collected a specimen from an air freshener bottle that had not been collected the first time around. And this week, that we got a positive PCR result out of that air freshener bottle for Burkholdidera pseudodomelii. I don't know if I'm saying that right, McQuiston said. PCR, polymerase chain reaction, is the same type of lab result uh, test used to amplify genetic material for coronavirus tests. This time, it found genetic material from the bacterial crime suspect. There, they found it. Better Homes and Gardens lavender and chamomile essential oil-infused aromatherapy room spray with gemstones. <laughs> the product had been manufactured in India and sold at Walmart. Walmart recalled the product on Friday. We were all so relieved to have something that pointed to a source of infection. There's someone out there. I know for a fact this person exists. And they were like, I don't know if I want to buy the Better Home and Gardens Lavender and Chamomile Essential Oils Infused Aromatherapy Room Spray. And then someone pointed out, but it has gemstones in it. And they were like, oh, all right, let's do it. St I don't care what kind of stone it is. It does not change anything. Gemstones do not, there's no crystal that imbues magical prowess or protection to you as a human being. There's actually metals that hurt you, but there's no gemstone that's going to help you. It's just not a thing. All this new age pseudoscience bullshit that you bought into in your occultic thinking does not carry through the smell test of truth. It just smells like lavender. That's really it. And you could get that from any old lady spray, you know, all right, with gemstones. You know, that's like a, like a violator with now with gemstones, <laughs> now with the healing properties of gemstones. Ugh. We were so relieved to have something that pointed to the source of infection because our biggest worry was that whatever had caused the infection in those four previous cases might still be out there posing a health risk to people. This showed us that was true. Our instincts on that were right because there are households in America that have this bottle of air fragrance in their homes potentially spraying it. <laughs> That's why we thought it was so important to go out quickly with this information. Even though we were still waiting on the sequence confirmation results showing that they, um, what came from the bottle matched the patient in Georgia, the PCR results are what prompted us to go forward with this announcement. The CDC had been able to link the strain of bacteria to the patients in Texas, Kansas, and Minnesota. So we've got A connected to B, B connected to C, and the sequence of results with help connect A to C, McQuiston said. Healing gemstones? It's not clear which ingredients in the spray may be contaminated. It might be the gemstones, however. How ironic would that be? That it's the healing gemstones, which were the catalyst for you to buy this, we're the thing that killed you. Oh, ooh. It actually kind of feels good to say that out loud. I know it sounds mean and stuff, but if you're that stupid, should you really be here? Do we want your DNA to spread? I don't. <laughs> Keep your healing gemstones DNA to yourself. Microenvironment in that bottle for the bacteria to grow in, she said. Uh, so the significance of the rocks we don't really know yet, but having rocks in fragrance bottle is definitely unusual. That's something I think we're interested to look at. The same manufacturer made other sense using gemstones that the CDC will be examining. 
It's also not clear how people might get infected by a spray. It does not necessarily appear as if the victims breathed it in. A lot of people say that they sprayed this on their pillows at night before they went to sleep to give them a nice fragrance. Is this what people do? I got to tell you, as someone with asthma, I would never considering taking any sort of spray and like putting it on my pillow and then sticking my face on it. Ugh. Are you out of your mind? That doesn't make any, I don't care if it's safe for you. It's still this toxic chemical that you're inhaling at zero distance. Ah, oh, you idiots. Now investigators will go back to see the patient in Texas might purchase the same brand of spray. This is not a mention of a specific product or brand in the initial interview questions I thought that the states undertook with those families. I believe that there was a mention of a possible fragrance room spray in a family member at the Texas patient, so I think we're going to try to go back and drill down a little bit more carefully. This is the difficult part. We may or may not ever make that connection, given that we're several months out now. The bottle may not be in the home anymore, but I think there's going to be an attempt made. It likely will not be possible for the Kansas patient who died in March or for the Minnesota patient, she said. But I will say we've heard that both of these individuals had a history of using scented products or essential oil types products, so I think that you can imagine the possibility of the, that link being there. CDC epidemiologists are often called disease detectives, and this is an example of why. You weigh the excitement of being able to put the pieces of this puzzle together with the reality, the horrific knowledge that two people died and four families were dramatically impacted by this, McQuiston said. And I really think the knowledge of how serious this was is what drove our scientists to work so hard to try to solve this mystery. So for every one of you out there who is bitching and moaning about the CDC, they're out there doing work that no one else considers doing. You may not like where they're coming down on their back and forth on how to treat the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 specifically, but they're actually out there doing work to help protect other human beings that arguably may not deserve to be protected. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I'm putting it out there. That's all. Uh, Julie used to spray shit all over before bed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's why you sleep in your own room. Just wash your pillows, weirdos. Yeah, seriously. And first of all, I've never actually smelled my pillow. Like, maybe I'm just used to it. I don't think my pillow has a smell. That's weird, right? You know, what's wrong with you? How dirty are you that your pillow would smell? And then how, how fucked up are you in the head that you have to be like huffing lavender and chamomile with gemstones in order to sleep? I get people have hard times getting to sleep because of the way they live their lives and stuff. But there's other things that you can do to try to mitigate your ability to fall asleep than pouring chemicals into your face. Just consider it. Lavender scented essential oils does not mean those oils are extracted from lavender. Sometimes it's just random chemicals that will then smell like lavender that are used. So if you really want lavender and chamomile, get the plants. You can grow them. Just grow them, make little bundles, put them under your nose like a mustache, and go to sleep. <laughs> or make your own oils. But just, I hate it when people just automatically trust things. It has gemstones. It must be, uh, you know, it's from Thailand. It must be good for you. You idiot. I don't care how many holistic medicine people have told you essential oils are the, the ultimate healing practice. Until the data bears that out, 
And to my knowledge, admittedly ignorant knowledge, I watched a couple episodes debunking essential oils. I don't know if that's factual or if it's a bent personal opinion of the people who made them, but it's, it's all a new age fucking bullshit thing. It's the same thing with like um, uh, all of those, uh, um, what are they called? The, where they, the flush out your system. Um, it doesn't actually do anything or, or you get like um, enemas in order to flush out your intestines because you have backed up poop in your intestines or something and it's toxic for your body. No, your body just pushes it out on a regular basis. Sometimes it takes longer than others, but getting an enema is not going to make you healthier unless there's some real medical reason that you need the enema. <laughs> you know, like you want to have anal sex or something. <laughs> then that'll be good. Um, all right. <laughs> Cameron, what's up, man? Thanks for joining. Uh, what do you guys think? You like the smell of gasoline, but you're not going to spray it on your pillow. Don't. <laughs> That's good that you're not going to. That could be bad. That's how people die. Uh, crystals do have some interesting properties from a physics perspective, but this is all some placebo effect. Woo, woo, jazz. Yeah, I mean, crystals that create prisms are just visually or beautiful or they interact with other metals or minerals. You know, however, whatever. You know, th th there's things that you can do scientifically there. But taking a crystal and rubbing it on your body... <laughs> or just having it around your neck is not going to do anything for you. It's like astrology. All right, people. Years ago, you'd fought fires. Your clothes smelled so great. <laughs> Campfire smell. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes it smells great. I'm about to have barbecue smell, which is why I'm doing this so early. All right, what time we got? Oh my gosh, I'm almost in the hour. Let's uh, jump into Creature Feature. This is a good one. Just make sure it didn't come, those gemstones didn't come from Walmart in Thailand. And you should be, make sure they weren't the Better Homes and Gardens ones. You should be okay. All right, I want to talk about chapel weight because holy hell, I thought this year or this season couldn't get better than Midnight Mass. And I was wrong. This series of 10 episodes that are almost an hour long each blew my mind and I was sober watching them so so it was an honest opinion I was not always sober watching Midnight Mass but I was sober watching this this is a I said this before I'm like trying to coin it because it's true this is a master class in atmosphere and tension it is amazing how drawn in to this you get now again this is not a summer blockbuster series. If you're coming into this expecting lots of explosions and actions and every second some new flash is coming, don't watch this. But if you love slow-driven horror that builds tension to points that 
actually you realize suddenly that you're leaning off of your seat and you didn't even think about it. That you're creeped the hell out and it's just music that is doing it. This is the series for you. It's based off of Stephen King's Jerusalem's Lot, which is sort of the predecessor to his uh, story Salem's Lot. And the logline is this. Set in the 1850s, the series follows Captain Charles Boone, who's played by Adrian Brody, who relocates his family of three children to his ancestral home in the small, seemingly sleepy town of Preacher's Corner, Maine, after his wife dies at sea. However, Charles will soon have to confront the secrets of his family's sordid history and fight to end the darkness that has plagued the Boones for generations. This reminds me of Clive Barker's um, Undying. It was a video game that I played on the Evil Live uh, playlist, but the story is so good. I love these stories of, of um, these sort of... Uh, turn-of-the-century industrial revolutionary millionaires who made all of their money um, off of uh, new technology, and now they're just sort of become corrupted in some way, and maybe there's a supernatural element to that corruption, and they just hide behind their wealth in these loftiest, lofty estates, and they just sort of disintegrate as this family unit. This is very much in that vein um, it's so good. So it opens with um, Boone and his wife on this sailing vessel, which is how he made his living. But it gives this flashback of how his father, and this is, again, the very opening scene of the first episode, um, where his father almost kills him. And so he's a survivor of spousal, um, uh, of uh, family abuse. And uh, so he basically runs away from his home earns trade on a whaling vessel, you know, goes to Hawaii, meets his soulmate, his wife. They have three children, and they just sail around making money that way. And then he gets this letter from his cousin saying, come back to Chapel Wait. We're, you know, it's his will basically saying we've all died, and, you know, this is bequeathed to our only uh, living heir, you. And um, so it's this estate, and it comes with the whole wood-cutting um, Oh, this sounds so bad that I can't remember the um, name of it. But it, it's basically just, you know, they make wooden planks out of this wood mill is what it's called, mill. Um, and it's just the modern industrial, you know, the very beginning of some form of an industrial revolution um, business that he wants to go and actually prop up the entire town uh, by making ships. And just, you know, it's going to bring in tons of money, tons of work for everyone. But everyone hates this family, the Boone family in this town. They believe that there's this infection that's ravaging the town. They believe it's the source is the Boones. And so uh, now, you know, when the Boones died, they all cheered and they all attended the wake and, and celebrated their deaths. And so when this new Boone, Charles, comes in and tries to take over Chapelwaite, which is the name of the estate, the home, um, and it's the most beautiful home. I want it so desperately bad. Um, they by proxy, hate him and try to run him out of town. But it's a Stephen King novel, so you know there's some creepiness happening, and it slowly descends into pure madness just before it twists into horror town. And it gets to some crazy, really interesting action sequences later at the very tail end of the series, but it slowly builds to that intensity and the insanity of it. And again the tension and the atmosphere, there are some scenes in this that are breathtakingly terrifying. Like, I don't want to spoil anything, and so I don't really want to... I mean, you know it's Jerusalem's Lot. 
you know it's Salem's Lot, so you know there's a vampire involved. There's a scene with this vampire where he's just sort of doing like that typical sort of vampire physicality, uh, somatic gestures. But with the atmosphere of, first of all, the angle of the camera work, the, the audio in the background, the lighting and the sky behind him and all of the animals, like uh, the, the birds flying behind, it is the most dramatically cinematic thing I've ever seen on a TV series. It just took my breath away by how horrifying it was and just traditionally horrifying, oh, but not in like a trite way. It was, it was just earned by the time you saw it. And you just wanted it so bad, and it was so incredible when you saw it. And this series is genuinely good. You have to watch it if you like vampire stories, you like Stephen King, and or you like gothic horror stories. It's the 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 actors. Now I want to talk really quick about Adrian Brody. I cut my teeth on Adrian, Adrian Brody in the King uh, Jackson's King Kong film. I don't like him. I don't like the way he looks. I don't like his physicality. I don't like him the way he delivers lines. He, I just hated him as an actor. Until this! I don't know what it was. The change from the character he played in King Kong to, the, to this Captain Brody. I'm um, sorry, Captain Boone. He embodied that character and he had this... If you've ever seen him, he's a very spindly guy. He has no substance to him. But he had an air of substance in scenes where you didn't expect him to have it. This 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 weight about him that it, it was wildly impressive and the way he carried his voice and how he treated his children, how he desperately loved them, but he was terrified of this disease that has afflicted his father and now him. And it's just so incredibly powerful how connected you feel with them. And I, I, you know, I don't want to project here, but I have a family history of some mental illness. Um, and so I... I'm always a little bit worried about it really striking me. <laughs> Real quick, weird story. In high school, I did a whole lot of drugs. Um, I was high on acid, and my parents had uh, picked me up because I'd run away from home um, after I was thrown out, and they tried to bring me back, and like it was a whole thing. They tried to throw me into this tough love program, which was pretty much torture and work for kids. Uh, anyway, um, I ended up running away again, and they didn't want me out on my own, so they uh, sent police after me, and they detained me while I was high. They put me in uh, a hospital for psychiatric evaluation, and I was high on acid. Of course I'm going to fail it! And so I'm, like, staring at a picture, and shit is happening in the picture, and I'm describing it to the psychological evaluator, and he's like, let me go get your parents really quick, and you can share your thoughts with them. And I was like, yeah, my mom would love this. She's an artist. And so she comes in, and I start describing the crazy things that I'm seeing because I'm high. And there, she's crying, and I don't understand why she's crying. I'm like, it's just a painting, Mom. It's just a really interesting, beautiful painting. I didn't think at the time describing motion in a static oil painting was weird because I was high. But apparently, you know, and so anyway, I have this... I, I was, you know, in the hospital for months before they realized, okay, well, he's actually fine, and they let me out. Um, they didn't even tell my school either. So I came back to school after three months uh, in my senior year, and they're like, where the hell have you been? It's like, my parents put me in a fucking psychiatric hospital. They didn't tell you? No one? They didn't tell anyone? So, yeah, it was crazy. Anywhere, anyway, uh, so I'm terrified of this idea of, of being unable to control your actions or not even aware they happen until after they have happened. 
So that, that sense of madness and lack of control over one's dominion over one's body is something that is genuinely terrifying to me. And to witness Captain Boone sort of living with this very dramatically, you know, more powerful than my fear, um, horrific experience of the same thing, you know, the same vein of it, it terrified me. It was so scary. And you just felt bad for him. You felt so connected to him as a character. You didn't, you know, and the children who played his children are so great. I mean, they're amazing actors. Even the youngest little boy who, let's be honest, kids' brains aren't even developed yet. They, they're not exactly actor material in most cases. This kid was great. I mean, everything they did was believable. Every reaction they had was believable, and it was appropriate to the level of insanity that was happening in the moment. You, a lot of times um, with horror films, they have to expedite emotional curves, right? So your, your boy, you don't trust your boyfriend maybe uh, because of something they said or whatever, and then they just win you over and you start trusting them again. In a film, that can be in the same scene because they have to expedite that even if it doesn't make sense to the, the viewer. You know, for example, Scream, the film Scream. It seemed obvious that it was the boyfriend from the beginning. But it's, if you haven't seen Scream, that was a huge spoiler. But eventually, you know, throughout the movie, you realize that, okay, well, they had just had to expedite her believing her boyfriend's lies because it's only two hours. This is 10 hours. They have the time to have the children not trust their father or outright hate their nanny for genuinely good reasons. And they have to develop the trust, which takes time. And you get to experience that. Again, it's not real life. It's just a series. But they did it in such a good, believable way that it endears you to these characters and it invests you in these scenes. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting a lot of weight on it, but I'm just saying it's great. Now, I must be insane because I seem to be the only one who thinks this. <laughs> IMDb gave it only 7.3 out of 10, which sounds high, but it's just, from what I watched, there's no way that's fair. The tomato meter on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 60%. How is that even possible? This was an amazing series. Uh, it had a 79% audience score, even an 80%, which is a B. I think that's too low. This was genuinely good. And the re like the reviews that they give you little call-out reviews of to justify the ratings, it was too slow. It's too slow horror. Do people who watch horror not like horror? Even in short stories, like scary stories to tell in the dark. It's the slow creeping horror that is the scariest horror. You know, the guy jumping out you get it for like a second of scariness and then you're like, okay, well now I see the monster and he looks kind of ridiculous and I'm not afraid anymore. But if it slowly creeps in, you know, it just, it's, it plants its roots in you and that terror grows. There's something infinitely more powerful about it. I don't know if it's attention spans. I don't know what it is, but people did not like this series and it, it kind of makes me mad. <laughs> It was released October 22nd for the first episode. It's on Epics. I'd never heard of Epics before. Um, it has a seven-day trial. It's 10 episodes. My wife and I watched two episodes a night, two hours like a regular movie, and we finished it before the trial was over, so we never had to pay for the service at all. I highly recommend checking out the service, um, not because there's anything particularly good on it other than Chavalweight, because I, I haven't really looked, but 
Um, this was written by Jason Filardi and Peter Filardi. Uh, it's 10 episodes. It's based on the short story of Jerusalem's Lot by Stephen King, which is a prequel to Salem's Lot. Adrian Brody plays Captain Charles Boone. Emily Hampshire is Rebecca Morgan, the like the nanny, basically. Um, Jennifer Enns is Honor Boone. Serena Gulambgaus, I butchered that, is Loa Boone. And Ian Ho is Tane Boone. He's the, the youngest little boy. Eric Peterson is Samuel Gallup. Christopher Haderdahl is Jacob who is the big baddie. Um, Julian Richings is Philip Boone. Stephen McCarthy is Stephen Boone. And Gord Randaz is the Minister Burroughs. Again, I only touched briefly on a little bit of the Boone family. This develops out the entire town. So there, as, as any great Stephen King novel does, it builds a world around it, right? Around the, the main protagonists or antagonists. So you have a cult that is surrounding... Jerusalem's lot that you know taking care of the vampires and that's not a spoiler because that's Jerusalem's lot um Salem's lot you have um the fucked up main town which is very sort of Lovecraftian in its animosity to the uh, the new boon and if you've ever liked any of Lovecraft's stuff or any of Stephen King's, King's sort of like uh, Oceanside Maine you know, vibe of, of small, desolate towns. It, it feels very pioneer, but it's set in the late, you know, in the 17th century. It's like 18-something. Um, so, you know, they have firearms and stuff. Um, but it's not quite like full industrial revolution because it is small town and it's, you know, coastal and stuff. Um, anyway, it's, it's filmed in Windsor, North Nova Scotia, which was also the setting for Stephen King's Bag of Bones and The Mist, as well as Clive Barker's Books of Blood. It's a beautiful little area. I mean, just genuinely great. If you think of colonial America, like when, when, when uh, Pilgrim era colonial America, that's what this feels like visually. It's really, really cool. Even though it's, it's later, it's not that early. So anyway, that, that's all. I, I highly recommend this. It, it genuinely blew me away. And it has one of those endings of Stephen King endings where it's not satisfying, but it's justified. And you feel like it couldn't really have gone any other way, but it is kind of weird the way it ends. It, it provides a little bit more backdrop to Jerusalem's lot because this story, it was just a short story included amongst a, a number of other uh, short stories that he wrote in some of the, the publications. So it is lacking. And it actually kind of bugged me because Salem's lot, I felt, was really different than Jerusalem's Lot, which is supposed to be the prequel. I mean, really different. And so when I first read Jerusalem's Lot, I was kind of bothered by it. You know, it was part of the book club that I ran um, last year during uh, the, the pandemic. So, I mean, it just, it bugged me a lot anyway. Um, but now, with all of this backstory and development, I actually really like the idea. And I kind of wish they would do a Salem's Lot like this, like a, a series. I'm really getting into this idea of throwing away the whole two-hour film. There's no need for it anymore. You can develop story and characters infinitely better with these episodic series. You know, whether it's a six, eight, or ten episode, or maybe multiple seasons or something, depending on the project you want to do. But it invests the user. And we're now used to just streaming hours and hours and hours of content over a week or so. So it's an acceptable format now. It's a better storytelling format. Let's just stop with the whole film thing. It doesn't make any sense anymore. 
If you, you know, and there's, there are some stories that just are catered to two hours. We don't want any more of that. It's enough. It's good enough. But there's so much more. With what these people are doing with, with horror, I don't ever want to go see a horror film again. I want to live with the horror, you know? I want to just be steeped in the horror for hours and just feel unsettled and creepy. I mean, it got to the point where we were dreaming about it, my wife and I, you know? It, it, was, it was just, it was, it was almost like the first time we watched um, uh, the Haunting of Hill House series on Netflix, that messed me up. It like rearranged my brain. It was completely weird, but I adored it. This is so much better than that was. And it's just like, uh, and I, I mean, I love old school traditional witch stories anyway. So, you know, like Pilgrim era, witches who live in woods and you know, the whole Salem witch trials era. And, you know, I, that's just my bread and butter. So maybe that's why I like it so much more than it seems everyone else did. Um, and that's fair whatever but i and i'm not even a huge vampire guy but you give me that atmosphere you give me the story and the time i'm in and it, this did it in spades it was so good all right well i'm not going to rush on um blather on about it anymore thank you guys so much for tuning in um <laughs> sean yeah no it was pretty epic definitely epic american horror story displays really good cinematography watch season five hotel if you like vampires Thanks, David. I kind of fell out of love with American Horror Story after the third season, but I can definitely give it another shot. Oil paintings on acid are the best. <laughs> Didn't end up the best for me. <laughs> Let's see. Caught in the middle of the night like a firefly without a light. You were like a slow torch burning with the key that could use a little turning. Nice. I like that. That's nice. Um, the genre of horror has been overtaken by a bunch of thriller fans. They think it's the same, and they organize films with the wrong definitions. I like that a lot. That's a good point. It's a really good perspective there. Um, I think you should, Brandon. If you like that style of series or horror, you definitely will love it. Uh, Black Coat's Daughter, yeah, absolutely. The Babysitter, nice, nice. Books of Blood was pretty good. I'm, I'm a big uh, Clive Barker sort of fanatic with his stories, and I really like most of his films, even the really bad ones, I, I really enjoyed simply because of the story behind it. But the actual stories or the novels themselves are what I love best about Clive Barker. I think he paints this wonderful mixture between, it's like an amalgamation of fantasy, horror, and um, he does a lot of body horror stuff, but he, he leans heavy into occult and magic. Um, in ways that sort of spans junior reading levels to, um, eh, I'll say young adult to maybe adult levels. He has this really great gamut that, as an adult, it sort of just takes me back to those more innocent times in my life where I love the idea of magic as an adult, but I don't see it like I did when I was a kid. You know, it's what got me into the occult and stuff in the beginning. So, I, I don't know, there's something about it that I genuinely love. Like occult magic, black magic, the idea of black magic as a kid thrilled me, not like stagecraft. That's fun too, but it's not the same. So anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm going to have to stop there. I'm just rattling on at this point. 
I know it's early. Sometimes I just spring these early episodes on you. I appreciate it if you're able to tune in. Um, if not, I hope you'll consider watching it after the fact when it's not live. But if you like what I do here and you want to see the other stuff that I put together, the satanic content that I have, you can always check out my website, reverendcampbell.com. You can sign up to the email list and I'll let you know what's coming next and who I'm going to be speaking to if I have an interview or a guest or something like that. Um, but of course, the best way to support this channel is to subscribe to it. And if you're liking these videos, that helps a lot. And of course, commenting also helps a lot too. So let me know what you think of these in the comments below. And for those of you who tune in live, I love you guys. I mean, you make this so much fun for me. I genuinely appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, check out churchofsatan.com, read the Satanic Bible, and read the Satanic Scriptures. It'll do you good. Have a fantastic week, everyone. And until next week, hail Satan. Halloween. Halloween. Halloween.